محمدًا عبده ورسوله الناصح الأمين اللهم صل على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تمسك بسنته إلى يوم الدين ثم أما بعد بإذن الله تعالى we have some things prepared for you as it relates to الصيام to fasting I encourage everyone who is hearing my voice whether it is now live or sometime in the future from a recording to have with you a pen and a piece of paper and not for this not for just this sitting but for all sittings whenever you listen to a lecture or you attend a class you should always have a pen and a paper so that you may write down the fawaid the benefits and the points that need to be memorized and that you can go back to later and study them likewise when you read a book you should never read a book except that you have with you a pen and a piece of paper for the same reason you may come across some sentences some paragraphs um, that catch your eye and a lot of times from our educational background we are taught to put some type of asterisks or to underline or to highlight uh, and or put a uh, bookmark on that particular page so we may go back to it to review it and alhamdulillah some of us have become read and used to this and accustomed to this so do that but add to it because it is more beneficial that you have uh, a notebook with you that you will actually write down that sentence that you highlighted or that you put an asterisk by and so on and so forth you write out that paragraph um, that you had highlighted or put an asterisk by and so on and so forth and put the page number and the book in which it can be found therein and this will enable you to go back to that notebook in your free time and memorize those passages to review those paragraphs uh, and so on and so forth and memorize those points of benefit this way you always have it with you because how many lectures have we gone to and heard many great and outstanding topics and then we walk away with them with very little and then as time goes by if someone were to ask you oh remember the class from last year or the conference from last year or two years ago and so on and so forth and alhamdulillah we have recollections of it and we say yes we remember uh, we were there and so on and so forth but then when you would ask a person okay give me some points of benefit that you benefited from that conference that happened last year or two years ago now it's silent well I don't remember that I remember being there I remember seeing you there I remember we went out to eat and so on and so forth but the points of benefit what was spoken about what was discussed what were the topics let me go back to the tape let me go back to the, the file the CD the MP3 whatever the case may be and then that maybe I can refresh my memory and then I can tell you but if you had that pen and paper and you had the dates and the conference and so on and so forth and you memorized some points from it at least you will have those points you will say I remember 10 points from this particular class and you have that everywhere you go because you memorize it it's with you now and you have you have it for easy access so inshallah ta'ala this is just an encouragement for myself first and foremost and for all those who are hearing my voice to have a pen and to have a paper and to write down notes of benefit because uh, no doubt if you just come and you 
passively participate, uh, you're not going to remember much. You're not going to recall much. You're not going to benefit much. طيب العلامة الشيخ صالح الفوزان حفظه الله تعالى he mentions الصيام هو ركن ثالث من أركان الإسلام that fasting it is the third pillar from the pillars of Islam fasting is the third pillar from the pillars of Islam and that pillar of fasting it is preceded by which pillars by huh? by the shahada number one number two as-salah naam and number three is well according to what the shaykh he mentions fasting he mentioned it being the third naam which will make in this case zakat the fourth and hajj the fifth tayyib so the shaykh he mentions it is the third pillar from the pillars of al-islam وقد and that verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وقد فرضه الله سبحانه وتعالى على هذه الأمة كما فرضه على الأمم السابقة and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he has made fasting obligatory upon this nation as he made it obligatory upon the previous nations right as he made it obligatory upon the previous nations does this sound vaguely familiar to anyone that fasting has been made obligatory upon us as it was made obligatory upon those who came before us. Right? Does anyone recall in which chapter of the Quran this ayah is mentioned? Surah Al-Baqarah. Does anyone recall the number of the ayah? This is what you want down in your notes. 183. 183 from Surah Al-Baqarah. Play does anyone recall the last time they heard this ayah being recited? Huh? Just a few minutes ago, right? Wait. You guys were scaring me, man. Y'all was like quiet for a couple seconds too long there. Just a few minutes ago, right? Wait. Kama fi qawlihi ta'ala, as it comes in Allah Ta'ala statement, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, kutiba alaykum al-siyam, kama kutiba ala ladheena min qabrikum la'allakum tattakoon. That all you who believe, fasting has been kutiba, has been written, has been written upon you. طيب. The Shaykh he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah has made fasting obligatory upon you. Right? But in the ayah comes the word kutiba. Kutiba. Naam? So what do we understand from kutiba? Because kutiba literally means it was written upon you. Right? So what is the meaning of the word kutiba huna? Is what? Furiba. Naam, ahsant. That kutiba here means furiba. It has been made obligatory upon you. So written upon you in this ayah means obligatory. It's been made obligatory upon you. As it was obligatory upon those who came before you, so in order and perhaps you may attain taqwa. Piety, so that you may attain taqwa, so that you may attain taqwa. And that fasting, it was made obligatory, the Shaykh he says, في سنة الثانية من الهجرة. It was made obligatory in the second year of hijrah. So when was fasting made obligatory? Which year? 
The second year of Hijrah. This is also a point you want to have down in your notes. And you know, everyone has a different style of writing notes, right? Um, whether it can be a star, it can be bullet points, or so on and so forth, or full sentences. Whatever way works best for you, I implore you to use that way. But a way which is easy, which I have found easy, works for me, and that can be from my own, you know, uh, shortcomings, is bullet points. Just short bullet points, phrases, not full sentences, and so on and so forth. Um, and this is because I write really slow. So if I try to make a full sentence, by the time I write the sentence, you, you like four or five paragraphs beyond what I just wrote and I just missed all that, right? So if that helps you, because you also have a problem like me that you write slow, then write it in bullet points, very fast. Second year Hijra, fasting obligatory, right? Or something like this, right? Wait. And I'm, I'm stressing this because I really, really, really want everyone to benefit from these points, inshallah ta'ala. The Shaykh, he says, فَقَدْ صَامَ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ تِسْعَى رَمَضَانَاتِ And that the, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he fasted tis'a. He fasted, how many? Huh? Nine. Nine رَمَضَانَاتِ Nine رَمَضَانَاتِ نَعَمْ ثُمَّ تُوَفَّى صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ and then he passed away, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So the Prophet sallallahu he fasted how many Ramadans? Nine, nine Ramadans. It's also another point you want to have down. The Prophet sallallahu fasted nine Ramadans. Naam. These things are very important to know. Very important to know. It's very important that we educate and teach our children about the intricacies and the details of the life of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, because this gives them a role model. Because verily the Prophet Sallallahu he is our role model. He is the one who we have as an example. So the more we know about him, then the better we are equipped to imitate him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this is an encouragement to our children that the Prophet Sallallahu from the time that Ramadan was made obligatory upon the Muslims, he fasted all the way until he died. And then what we do is that you educate the children also is that look how the Prophet Sallallahu who was the best of mankind, who was the best of the prophets and the messengers, the best of the children of Adam, the master of the children of Adam, that he fasted and he worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until he died. And this is a clear refutation upon the Sufiya who say that worship is only a tadrib, it's only a training to train the soul. And once your soul reaches a point, you don't have to do any more worship. There's no more halal and haram for you. You are beyond halal and haram. You don't have to abide by any of the rules of Islam because you have reached a point. So once the children understand that the best of mankind, the best of mankind, the best of the prophets and the messengers, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until he died, then they would know when anyone comes and says that you can reach a point that you don't have to worship Allah ta'ala no more, then they would know already this person, this person is a street, is, 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 is a straight. Naam, and he leads others astray. And it's important that we educate our children so they have this distinction. So a person doesn't have to come out and say, I'm a Sufi, before our children realize that guy's a Sufi. Because you know what? A Sufi's not going to give you that courtesy. He's not going to come to you and say, I'm a Sufi. I'm a Sufi. I want to lead you astray. He's not going to come and give you that courtesy. But he's going to come and he's going to try to fool you. 
But there are going to be certain ibarat, certain things, certain expressions that are going to come out from him that's going to give you an indication of who he actually is. So if they come and start saying things like, oh, our shaykh, he has reached a point that he doesn't have to worship Allah Ta'ala anymore, then our children will know, this one's a Sufi. Get away from me, you guy. I don't want to hear nothing from you. That's it. They will already know it's a Sufi. They will know this is wrong because the Prophet in the second year of Hijriyah, right, what was made obligatory? Fasting. And from that time, he fasted how many Ramadans? Nine, Nine Ramadans. Until when? He until he died. So they realized the Prophet worshiped Allah until he died. So there's no way that Shaykh so and so, Mawlana so and so, such and such has reached the point he doesn't have to worship Allah Ta'ala anymore. This is wrong. They would know that already. They would have some distinction. And this is very, 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 very important. Not just that we learn the qawaid and principles of, of Da'wah Salafiyyah, but that we implement them. We implement them. It's very important that we implement them and we have some type of distinction where we're able to distinguish or distinguish yani, between that which is right, that which is wrong, between Salafiyyah and Izbiyyah, between uh, Sunnah and Bid'ah, so on and so forth, between the one who's Sunni and the one who's Bid'i. That we have some type of distinction. It's very important. The Shaykh goes on and he says, In the Arabic language. And this was something that our brother Abu Anisha, he just mentioned as well. That in the language of the Arab, it means what? Who remembers? To refrain. In Arabic, or to refrain. This is the meaning of Siyam in the Lugha. This is in the Arabic language. And it's always important when the ulama they mention the definitions of things, they mention what it means in the Lugha and then they mention what it means inside of the of, of the Sharia. Is a, is a very big benefit in doing that because you will see that there's a correlation between what it means linguistically and what it means uh, legislatively, right? And at the same time, if you understand both definitions, then you will see the intricate differences sometimes that exist between the two as the Shaykh is going to go over So in the Lugh of the Arab, Al-Siyam, it means Al-Imsaq Al-Imsaq, naam? And the Shaykh he mentions Al-Imsaq Al-Kalam To be quiet or to refrain from speech Aw Al-Mashi Or to refrain from walking Naam So you find that in the language of the Arab That the word Suyam has a broad meaning Has a broad meaning You can say that a person is Sa'im If he was Sakit He was quiet He didn't talk to anyone Right? Then you can say he saw him. He's 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 uh saw him, right? Fasting. Or if he was standing still, if, if a person or, or, or a thing was standing still, then you could say saw him. Then that thing is saw him, right? It is fasting. But of course, in that context, we will understand it's not speaking about the legislative fast because they're withholding from talking or from walking and so on and so forth. Naam. But yeah. The Shaykh he says, وَأَمَّا إِمْسَاكَ عَنِ الْكَلَامِ He said, with regards to imsak or refraining or withholding from speech, شُوفِ ulama. Look at the ulama. They are not arrogant, like you find ulama ahl bid'ah. Right? They just say stuff. Devoid of any proofs. Why? Because they don't have any proof. Right? 
And then they get offended if you ask for proof because it exposes them, right? But they educate their followers into this crazy understanding of asking for proofs is somehow disrespectful. It's somehow disrespectful. The ulama of Ahl Sunnah, when they speak, they mention the adillah when it is appropriate. Naam? When it's appropriate, they mention the adillah. And what they say is based upon the adillah. Naam? So if you do a study on the, uh, the, the works of Ahl Sunnah, you will find that what they say coincides with the proofs and evidences 100%. And that's what we hold on to. And that's what we hold on to. Anything that doesn't match up to the proofs and the evidences, then this is what we leave alone. Right? But ala kullin, even when speaking about the definition of siyam, lughatan, Shaykh Saleh al-Fawzan, ta'ala, he brings what? Dalil. It just doesn't tell you al-siyam bima'na imsaq fil lugha and then that's it, he keeps going. But he brings you dalil. He brings you dalil to show that it, it, it means in the lugha imsaq. And in, in his case specifically, on speech, on speaking. Naam, وَأَمَّا الْإِمْسَاكَ عَنِ الْكَلَامِ With regards to withholding from speech, كَمَا فِي قَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى Just as it is as it is in the statement of Allah Ta'ala عَنْ Maryam On our mother Maryam, where it was said, as Allah Ta'ala informs us, إِنِّي نَظَرْتُ لِلرَّحْمَانِ صَوْمًا That verily I have made a vow to Ar-Rahman that I will fast. Soman, that I will fast. Right? But then listen to what is mentioned. وَلَنْ أُكَلِّمَ الْيَوْمَ إِنْسِيَّا And I will not speak to any human being on this day. So see, I said, I have taken a vow to Ar-Rahman that I will make a fast and verily I won't speak to any human being today. So her fast was upon what? What did she refrain from? Speaking. Speaking. You see? So now that's a dalil that in the lugha of the Arab, as-suyam, it comes with som, it comes with the meaning of al-imsaq and al-kalam. To withhold from speech. To withhold from speech. Also will enter into the broad meaning of suyam or som. Shara'an, right? No, lughatan. Keep trying to keep it on your toes, man. You gotta pay attention, right? Not shara'an, not legislatively, linguistically. For legislatively, is something different. But linguistically, nah, that fits. Linguistically. So linguistically, you can say that withholding from speech is fasting. And that is what? Lughatan. Lughatan, or linguistically, in the language of the Arab. Tayyib. The Shaykh he says, Fafi هذه الآية أن الإمساك عن الكلام يسمى سوماً. He says, so in this ayah, withholding from speech has been called fasting. Withholding from speech has been called fasting. Tayyib. What about walking? Remember the Shaykh he mentioned specifically walking. Because it means to, to withhold. But he brought two examples. He said to withhold and to refrain from speech and walking. Right? So what about walking? What's the proof now that to withhold from walking and to stand still can be called siyam? Shaykh, he brings some lines of poetry. It says, خَيْلٌ صُيَامٌ وَأُخْرَ غَيْرُ صَائِمًا تَحْتَ الْعَجَاجِ وَأُخْرَ تَعْلُكُ 
Lujama. He said that this one, this horse, Suyamun. This horse, Suyamun. Mamana Suyamun. Suyam means what? Refrain. Refrain. Or is translated as sometimes as fasting. Or to abstain, fasting, refrain, right? So he says this this particular horse, he says, Suyamun. Fasting. We understand fasting here means what? He's, he's refraining from walking. He said, this horse here, he is suyamun. He's, he's, he's not walking, he's still. He says, But the other one is not sa'ima. The other one is not fasting. The other one is not refraining from walking. He says, uh, the other one is not refraining from walking. He said, rather, this one who's not refraining from walking, he's under the cloud of dust. Under the cloud of dust because of the dust that the hoofs it, 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 it pushed up. Right? He says, Wal Ukhra and the other one, the other one that is fasting, that is refraining from walking, the Shaykh he says, Lujuma, that is biting on his reins. You know the, the reins that you use to, to control the head of the horse and that thing that goes in the mouth, right? And when the horse is not doing something, so a lot of times he just stands there and he chews on it. So he said this, and the other one who's, who's fasting, he's just standing there biting on his reins. Right? So in any event, we see here in the language of the Arab that they utilize the word suyam, wasa'im, wasa'ima to refer to a horse that was what? That was not moving. And for the other one that was in motion, they called it what? غير sa'ima. The other one, غير sa'ima. He's not fasting. He's not refraining. Meaning that while he's in motion, he's moving around, right? So, this is, is, is an encouragement. This is an encouragement for, for myself and I hope for you all to, to, to learn Arabic. That we, 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 we have to learn Arabic. It's a very rich and dynamic and beautiful language. It's a very rich and beautiful language. Now, and uh, you see the, the, the beauty of expression and how the clarity. Of, of, of the ibarat and so on and so forth and, and the precision yani, and, and the choice of words and so on and so forth is, is amazing, it's amazing so this is an encouragement for myself uh, and for everyone who's hearing my voice we, we, we all we all have to have to learn Arabic now the shaykh he says الشرع, but with regards in the sharia in the sharia what does suyam mean? in the shara in the shara the shaykh he says Al-Siyam huwa al-imsak That Siyam it is to refrain Right? So now we understand why Siyam is called Siyam We understand why Siyam is called Siyam Because Lughatan it means to what? Refrain Also Shara'an it means to what? Refrain But in the Shara' it means to refrain on specific things On specific things So the Shaykh he says huwa al-imsak and I'm going to say this slow because I want everyone to write this definition down. That linguist, that legislatively, al-siyam it means to withhold upon an intention or to intentionally withhold. So it's not just withholding, but it's withholding upon an intention, upon a niyyah. Gotta have a niyyah. Now, who al imsak an that it is to withhold intentionally on the what on the 
Naam, on those things which will break a person's fast. So, so to intentionally withhold upon those things that will break a person's fast. Al-Hissiyya wal-Ma'nawiyya. To intentionally withhold from those things that will break a person's fast. Those things that are both actual or physical and those things that are uh, in meaning or intangible. Right? To withhold intentionally or with the niyyah from those things that will break a person's fast. And those things that will break a person's fast, they will either be hisiyah, they will be things that are actual physical things, or they will be things that are what's called ma'nawiyah, or they will be things, yani, uh, what did we just say ma'nawiyah was? Intangible things or anything like this, right? Right and inshallah ta'ala, the shaykh he goes on to explain, it'll make more sense. He says, مَن طُلُوعِ الْفَجْرِ الثَّانِي From the rise of the second fajr. From the second fajr. نعم. إِلَى غُرُوبِ الشَّمْسِ Until the sun has set. So he gives you an indication in the definition of the time frame of fasting. It is from when? The second fajr. Not the first fajr. Right? Right? Wait, not the first fajr, but the second fajr. Because the first fajr, which was the, the fajr that Bilal, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he would call the adhan for, this was the fajr to wake people up. To let them know that Salatul Fajr is about to come. It ain't come in yet. It's not fajr yet. But it's to wake people up. To let them know that Salatul Fajr is coming. So wake up, prepare yourself for Salatul Fajr. And in Ramadan, it's time to eat suhoor. This is your time to eat suhoor now. Because it's from the sunnah to delay the suhoor. Right? It's not from the sunnah to eat a really big meal at like 1 o'clock in the morning. Right? And then go to sleep. But to delay that meal until the suhoor time. Until the time of Sahar. I mean, lay that Suhoor until the time of Sahar. And the time of Sahar is that time, Qubayl al-Fajr, right before Fajr. That's why it's called Suhoor, because you eat it in Sahar. And Sahar is Qubayl al-Fajr. Now, so that's when you're supposed to eat Suhoor, right before Fajr. Tayyib. When the second event was called, that's the event for what? The actual Fajr. So now, that's it. No more eating and drinking because now it's actually Fajr. And this is what the Shaykh means by the second Fajr. So the Shaykh says, And it's important now because he's going to go through the definition bit by bit to show you how each portion of the definition is, is, is critical for understanding what is Siyam in the Shara or in the legislation. He says, He said, With regards to withholding he said, without a niyyah. He said, فَهَذَا لَا يُسَمَّ صِيَامًا شَرْعًا He said, this is not considered, nor is it called fasting legislatively. If a person withholds from those things that break the fast, but not intentionally, he doesn't have an intention, doesn't have the niyyah to do so, then this is not called fasting legislatively. The shaykh, he says, إِذَا لَمْ يَأْكُلْ وَلَمْ يَشْرَبْ بِدُونِ النِّيَّةِ يُسَمَّ صِيَامِ لُغَةً He said, even though not eating and not drinking 
even without an intention, is called fasting linguistically. Linguistically, it's called fasting, right? But legislatively, it's not fasting. So although linguistically, a person can say, but I'm fasting, because there's no intention, legislatively, he's not fasting, so therefore he's not rewarded for fasting, because he did not have an intention to fast. So the Shaykh, he says, even though it is called fasting uh, in the Lugha, linguistically, it's not called fasting in the Shara. He said, La Shara'an. It's not fasting legislatively. Liqawlihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, due to this statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So now you see the dalil. La min adilla. You gotta have a dilla, right? Because the Shaykh is telling you now, a person comes and he says, but I didn't eat and I didn't drink from the time of Fajr to the time of Maghrib. I didn't eat, I didn't drink. Right? But I, I didn't intend to fast, but I didn't eat and I didn't drink. So will I be rewarded for my fast? And the Shaykh is saying, no. So the person now might say, well, what's the dalil? You're telling me I, I don't get no fasting. Why? What's, what's the proof I don't get no? How you know? Right? People's like that, right? How you know? You don't know what's in my heart. How many times you heard that? You don't know what's in my heart. How you know I don't get reward? Right? But due to the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, innamal a'mal binniyat, that verily actions are but by their intentions. Wa innamalikulimriimmanawa, and that every individual will have what he intended. So if you didn't intend to fast, you don't get rewarded for fasting. You see? Later. If you don't get intent, if you didn't intend to fast, you get no reward for fasting. But you have to intend to fast. And hadith mutafaqun alayhi. Hadith is, is agreed upon by both al-Bukhari and Muslim. The Shaykh says, "Walau anna al-insan," and this is what I love about Shaykh Salih Fozani. He goes on to really explain and to and to make it clear, right? He says, "Walau anna al-insan." He said, "Even if an individual, or if an individual, lam yakul wa lam yashrab." ولم يعمل أي شيء من مفطرات من طلوع الفجر الثاني إلى غروب الشمس ولكنه لم ينوي الصيام فهذا لا يعتبر صائما شرعا وليس له أجر في هذا وإن كان يسمى صياما في اللغة He says so if a person were to not eat and to not drink and to not do anything from those things which will invalidate the fast from the time of the second Fajr until the sun had set but he did not intend to fast then this is not considered fasting legislatively although it, and he gets no reward for it although it may be considered fasting linguistically but legislatively it's not fasting he gets no reward for it so this is what this is why the Shaykh he mentions that he has the intention. It's very important. So now what about the statement? Now, what about the, the statement al those things that are tangible, those things that tangibly will break the fast? The Shaykh he says, what are the things that will tangibly break the fast? As an example, like eating, drinking, having uh, intercourse with one's spouse. Now, these things will break the fast. فَتُسَمَّ حَسِيَّةَ عَمَلِيَّةَ So they call things that are tangible, things that, 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 are, that, that you perform, actions. 
tangible things that you perform, actions, right? So, so now we understand what's meant by tangible. Those things that will physically, a person will physically do that will break his fast. Like eating, drinking, and having intercourse. Right? So what are some examples of those things that uh, uh, will, will tangibly break your fast? Are like what? Eating, drinking, intercourse. These are tangible. Break your fast. طيب. Then the Shaykh, he says, But those things that are, will intangibly break the fast or reduce the fast. And the Shaykh, he makes clear and he explains what he intends. He said, you have those things which will break your fast, but they're ma'nawiyah, they're not tangible. Right? See, food, drink, intercourse, these things are tangible. Correct? But things that are not tangible, the Shaykh, he brings, he says, for example, al-ghiba. Backbiting. Naam. Wa-namima. And slandering. Wa-shatam. Verbally abusing. Wa-qawl-zur. And speaking with foul, nasty, repugnant speech. Wa-kalam qabih. And speaking with vile, ugly uh, speech. Wa-fi'l muharram. And acting and doing something haram. Man-nadar. إلى الحرام from looking at something that is haram واستماع إلى 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 ما حرم الله and from listening to something that Allah has made prohibited then verily these are things that will break the fast or these are intangible things that will break the fast but I want you to pay attention because the Shaykh he doesn't intend that if a person makes ghiba then his fast is over. You gotta make a day up. It's not what he intends. So he goes on to explain. He says the annaha because these things because these things will reduce the reward of the person who was fasting. Or there are things that will reduce the reward so much so that a person gets no reward for his fasting. You understand? Doesn't necessarily have to make the day up, right? So he has the day in his record. But he gets no reward for fasting that day. Why? Because he reduced his reward by backbiting people, slandering people, verbally abusing people, looking at the haram, and so on and so forth. Listening to the haram. So the person who doesn't lower his gaze, he's not lowering his gaze and he's fasting, then that is reducing the reward that he gets for the fasting. A person fasting, but he listening to music, and so on and so forth, that's going to lower the reward that he gets from his fasting, and so on and so forth. These things will lower the reward, lower the reward, lower the reward, lower the reward, and they can possibly lower the reward They can lower the reward until there remains nothing from it. Naam. Until nothing remains from the reward. Until nothing is from is 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 uh, exists from the reward. No reward left. Destroys it. Naam. The Shaykh says, he said, it is perhaps, or these things will absorb the reward. They will absorb the reward. Every time he, he makes a, a haram act, 
He makes ghiba, he verbally abuses someone, he speaks nasty things, he's talking foolishness and so on and so forth. Right? And it can be things that people don't sometimes don't 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 think about. And a person can be fasting and then yeah, he just the evil if it's nuts, he starts reciting an old run DMC song or something like this. Right? He thinking nothing, nothing, he's just reciting some old dumb lyrics. Reducing it, this is ugly, despicable speech. Now your fast being reduced. You understand? Let alone a person is arguing and acting foolish and cursing people out and so on and so forth, reducing it. A person decides he want to get on the phone and want to talk, backbite someone and so on and so forth, reducing the fast, absorbing the reward of the fast. And if you do too much of it, it, it absorbs the reward until what? So there's no reward left. It, it took it all. You depleted your reward. The Shaykh, he says, and this is in accordance to the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. مَنْ لَمْ يَدَعْ قَوْلُ الزُّورِ وَالْعَمِلْ بِهِ وَالْجَهْلَ فَلَيْسَ لِلَّهِ حَاجَ فِي أَنْ يَدَعَ طَعَامَهُ وَشَرَابَهُ He said that a man or whoever does not give up vile speech and acting in accordance to it and acting ignorantly, then Allah has no need that he give up his food and drink, or that he withhold from his food and his drink. And this hadith akhrajuhu al-Bukhari min hadith Abi Huraira radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. And this hadith has been collected by al-Bukhari from the narration of Abu Huraira radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. Wa liqawdihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And also, due to the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لَيْسَ الصِّيَامُ مِنَ الْأَكْلِ وَالشُّرْبِ وَإِنَّمَا الصِّيَامُ مِنَ الْلَغْوِ وَرَفَثِ he said that verily fasting is not from just eating and drinking, but rather fasting is also from vile, I mean from vain speech and vile and despicable speech and things. Yeah. So this is important. We understand what fasting is about. What is hadith akhraj wal hakim? This hadith has been uh, collected or has been collected a by 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 hakim musahaha, and he rendered it to be sahih. Likewise, al uh, bayhaqi he recorded this hadith, and it's from the hadith of Abu Huraira radiyallahu ta'ala anhu It's also from the hadith of Abu Huraira. Naam. فَالَّذِي يَمْسِكْ عَنِ الطَّعَامِ وَالشَّرَابِ مُفْطَرَاتِ الْحِسِيَّةِ وَلَكِنْ لَا يَمْسِكْ عَنِ الْغِيبَةِ وَالنَّمِيمَةِ وَالْمَحَرَّمَاتِ فَهَذَا لَمْ يَصُمْ صَوْمٍ مَقْلُوبٍ he says, so whoever he withholds from food and from drinking and from those things that will nullify the fasting, that are those tangible things that will nullify the fasting. However, he does not withhold from the intangible things that will nullify the fasting like riba and namima and haram things, then this person is not fasting the fast that is required. He's not fasting the fast that is required. So it's a must that we understand the reality of what is fasting and we start to prepare ourselves to fast. Because as it comes in authentic narrations, the Prophet ﷺ, he used to fast abundantly in the month of Sha'ban. This is the month of Sha'ban that we're in right now. Now. So let us imitate the Prophet ﷺ and fast abundantly in the month of Sha'ban upon the way that is sought. 
that we fast not only from those tangible things that will break the fast, but also from those intangible things that will break the fast. All of this in preparation so that we may better fulfill our obligation of fasting the month of Ramadan. Naam. The Shaykh says, وَقَدْ لَا يَكُونُ لَهُ فِي الصِّيَامِ الْأَجْرِ أَوْ يَكُونُ أَجْرُ قَلِيلٍ The Shaykh says, because if a person doesn't do this, and he doesn't leave off these intangible things that will break the fast, he will find that he will not have any reward for his fast, or he will find that the reward for his fast will be very, very little. Very, very little. He said, and this is what is intended, this is what is meant by their statement, that they withhold from those things that will break the path, that will break the fast, that they intentionally withhold from those things that will break the fast, both those things that are tangible and intangible from the time of the second Fajr until the sun sets, until Maghrib time. This is what is meant by the definition of fasting Shara'an uh, and what preceded it was meant and understood by the definition of fasting Lughatan uh, in the Arabic language wa naktafi bihad al-qadr wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in jazakum Allah khayran